Oh, you're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Becoming a cop, especially today, isn't easy. Learning how to become one, even more difficult. I'm Officer Tommy Model, and I've been a cop for a decade plus. Grab a warm cup of coffee, open your mind, and take in my free field trip. If you're interested in being part of the conversation, go down there and subscribe so that way you can catch the videos when they're live and I can answer your comments and questions. So I'm gonna take comments and questions from the YouTube live stream audience here. We've got 82 people watching right now. I'm gonna take their comments and questions, try to do the best that I can for them, give them the best answers I can. I'm gonna drink some energy drink out of my Mickey Mouse cup at 3 a.m. here in the studio and we'll see what we got. Everybody saying hello. Hello for everybody for coming on 2 o'clock in the morning. Bob Man says, I'm super surprised I'm even awake right now. Me too, except that I'm on midnight, so I'm always awake this time of night. Go ahead. Dale Boxmail says, how's morale at your department and Chicago PD? Our biggest problems right now in the Chicagoland area for every agency is manpower. We just can't get enough candidates. We definitely can't get enough qualified candidates, and uh, retention is really hard. People just don't want to do the job anymore. The cost of living has far outstripped inflation in this area, and wages haven't gone up to compensate for it. When I started on the job, this was a very well-paying government job, and now it's not so well-paying anymore relative to where the dollar is at. Austin Beal says, how can 911 operators request language interpreters? Dealing with people who don't speak the same language you do is actually an upcoming YouTube short I've got planned for the future. There's a pretty interesting solution that a lot of people didn't think of early on. I'll give it to you live. People here, everybody else is going to have to stop in for the YouTube short. When it's live, I'll put a little link up there. You can actually use Google Translate for things that are non-legal like required. So if you just want to know what happened on a car accident, something like that, you can go on Google Translate, have them go on their phone and type in Spanish to English or Mandarin to English, and then you type in English to Mandarin, and Google will even speak it back and forth to you. As far as 911 operators requesting language interpreters, I don't know. I'm not a 911 operator and never have been. <laughs> Bobman4000 says, can I enter the giveaway as a Canadian? Right now, we are only doing the giveaways for inside the United States because shipping things to Canada is ridiculous, and it's more ridiculous every day. Gaming with Zeke says, for someone that is 21 looking to go into law enforcement with no real experience in the field other than being a security guard for three years, what is the biggest tip slash advice? Biggest tip slash advice for anybody that's looking to get into law enforcement right now is to do it right now. There has never been a better time to get a job as a cop than right now inside the U.S. Right now is the time to do it. Every agency that I know of right now is trying to hire laterals. Most of them have signing bonuses. They're, they're cutting their more ridiculous requirements out. So you don't have to have had a four-year degree in order to be the state police anymore. All sorts of stuff that, that didn't make any sense 15 years ago, but was required just because they could. Now is all going out the window. If you want to be a cop and you're not a crazy lunatic, now is the time to start applying. So just apply anywhere that you think you might want to work. What about Olight? Olight was doing some good stuff with flashlights, especially like duty size flashlights early on. And I think one of the problems and where Olight has run into problems recently 
is that their performance metrics, the, the peak performance metrics, is all they worry about. So imagine if you went and bought like a Dodge Charger with the biggest engine and then decided to supercharge and turbocharge it and put nitrous on it and a Jado pack and then go take it racing and then you wonder why it blows up and lights on fire and stuff like that. And regardless of your political opinion on Olight, Olight's been chasing that performance metric and in chasing that performance metric, they have caused problems for themselves with lots of maintenance issues, but primarily overheating, that the lights get so hot so fast that they can actually be dangerous. They just had a recall on one of their products, they're like MR2 whatever, that the things would turn on in people's pockets and light them on fire. I've just done a couple of different videos on Olight flashlights where I talked about that, where they're seeking the performance metrics to such a high degree that the reliability of the light has gone down and also the runtime at that peak performance has gone down. Doesn't matter if you can get 3,500 or 4,000 or 6,000 lumens out of a light. It doesn't matter how many candela or how good the spot is or how good the throw is on the light if you're only getting 30 to 45 seconds of that runtime before it steps down to below what everyone else is giving you for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes before they step down. East Salinas says, cops say stupid things all the time. Yeah, but the idea of this channel, free field training, is that I am a cop and I am a field training officer and we're trying to get people to stop saying some of the stupidest things. The idea is to give people real knowledge, real information, coming from real world experience and real training using real numbers about the way things actually work not just the way they're perceived given niche circumstances, actual laws that are actually on the books, not just stuff that you heard from somewhere or saw on a pamphlet somewhere down the road or have on a street sheet where you're gonna look up the statute and it's only got a little description of what the statute is next to it. That's not what we're doing here. We're trying to give people actual good information. And if you want actual information about how law enforcement and security is supposed to actually work, subscribe. Nathan S says, Chief selection phase for Lexington, Kentucky PD in late April. Second time through the process, hopefully I get selected this time. Any advice on what to study for pre-academy? Pre-academy, you study for the drug test and try and get in as good a shape as humanly possible. There's nothing for you really to study before you get there. You're not going to know what you need to know unless they tell you to get a book and read it in advance. I wouldn't even bother with any of that. What I would do is get in as good a shape as humanly possible so that way none of the physical aspects of the academy are getting in your way. And all you have to worry about then is the academics and learning the technique. MaxView99 says, this is really interesting. I'm glad you like it. Go ahead. Jamie Munoz says, I have some security guards where I work using their phones as cheap body cameras. You can use a cell phone as a cheap body camera. There's cops out there that started doing that a long time ago when their agencies wouldn't give them body cameras. One of the problems with using your cell phone as a body camera beyond the fact that it's subpoenable and you could get the whole cell phone taken away, which I guess is an issue, but not as big an issue as you know how often you really get in shootings or something major where that would happen, no matter where you work. But the issue is that there's no backlog. So if something kicks off, you have to know it's gonna kick off in order to hit the body camera. So if you know you're going to a call, you can turn the video camera on. In fact, you could live stream like this. You could live stream onto a Facebook page, everything that you do with, just a cell phone, like that technology exists. The problem is cell phones are not made to backlog, so there isn't a button that I can hit 
that preserves the last 30 seconds of video. I have to know something's going to happen and hit the button and put the camera cell phone on me where it's recording before it occurs. It's a little easier with security. It's very hard with law enforcement because we tend to get in situations where we didn't know things were going to kick off right then. Scott Hockenberry says, I remember early in law enforcement, they wouldn't even train you how to use a tourniquet. You were forbidden from carrying them. How times have changed. It's funny that coming from a background in, in scouting, when I left scouting, the Boy Scouts of America were actually a little ahead of the law enforcement world as far as medical is concerned, which if you were ever in scouting, shouldn't be a super big shock to you. But for people in, who have only ever done law enforcement in their whole life, because there's a lot of those people out there, that's like, oh, what are you, the, the Boy Scouts were ahead of us? Yeah, they were, because in the BSA, they were doing more advanced medical training as far as trauma care than law enforcement was. When I started on as a cop, they told you not even to treat people for shock. Don't touch them. Even if you know that they look like they're going into shock or you suspect that they're going to, you know, don't go lifting their legs up. What if they have a back injury? You could be hurting their back. That's stuff that was actually told to me at the time. And now it just seems silly because it was. It was silly at that time too. But in law enforcement, like carrying a tourniquet was absolutely forbidden in a lot of places. And they told you not to carry them and not to use them because the idea was that if you use a tourniquet, the person could lose their limb. The BSA at the time was saying kind of a similar thing. They were saying it would be as a last-ditch effort only, and only the adults were supposed to carry them. Now the policies are a little more open with that. They still only want, I think, adults carrying tourniquets in the scouting program, but in law enforcement, everybody is carrying tourniquets. I don't know of anywhere that doesn't allow them anymore, and it would seem like a pretty silly thing to do liability-wise to not allow them. Ryan Vargas says, is there still a risk liability for civilians? I'm a civilian. I'm a civilian law enforcement. Like, I'm not, this isn't the military. I have to tell people that all the time. This isn't the military. Is there still a risk liability for civilians providing medical aid? I'm sure laws vary state by state. Generally speaking, and you'd have to check this state by state, but generally speaking, you're covered by Good Samaritan laws, which means as long as you're in good faith trying to help the person the best way that you can, they can't sue you for helping them. It's different if you're a medical professional. You would have to be doing something that's contrary to the training, though, for you to have any, any real liability in the matter. So you can't step on someone's chest to do CPR. That could raise some risk, some liability risk. But if you basically misdiagnose someone and give them the wrong medical care, but you were in good faith trying to do the right thing, there shouldn't really be any liability risk to you. You're going to have to check state by state, check out with your, with your attorney if you're really worried about it, but most first aid classes that you're going to take in states, if they're you know, given by the American Red Cross or given by one of your local firefighters, it's going to be able to give you guidance on that. So when you take your first aid class, which you should be doing yearly, and you want to know what the guidance is in your state, ask them. They're going to know the ins and outs of it better. But generally speaking, if you're actually trying to help somebody, you're not going to incur any civil liability. Skinny says, my sergeant still gets on me for long reports. Like, there's a difference between a report being ridiculously long and it being way too short. It was not unusual when I first started to have reports that were three sentences long for domestics or retail thefts. I wish you know, I went here, I spoke with this person, they said yada yada yada, I observed injury, I arrested the other person. 
And that was it. That is all you put in there. And if you put that you saw something else, that you know there was broken glass on the floor, or what dispatch, I used to get in trouble when I first started, I would put in there what dispatch told us when we were responding to the call. And one of my bosses, who's long since retired now, told me not to do that because we didn't want to point out that dispatch had said something stupid. And it wasn't really to show that dispatch said something stupid, but if I was going to the call and the call was that there was a guy and he was holding his wife hostage, I would probably want to put that in there so that when someone read the report, they would understand the context that I was coming to the call with. And at the time, that was like, a cr that's crazy. Thinking. I don't know why, why would you want to put that in there? But now it makes, like, it makes perfect sense. Like what? Why wouldn't you tell people what you were originally dispatched to if it's anything other than, you know, oh, it's just a domestic. If there's other information, you probably want to put that at the top of the report. Maybe we'll do another report writing video. I got a couple of report writing videos. Check out up there the links down below or go to the channel. Type in free field training report writing. I got a couple of them. Some good information there. I think it'll help you guys out if you're out writing reports. Void says, LMAO, the little report writing is still taught in CPD's academy from some instructors, short and simple rather than detailed for court. Perfect. Ugh. Sometimes I can't believe I do this job with some people. All right. Why do I not reveal what department I work for? Did they ever reach out to me to be on the public relations team like Miami PD? We don't have a public relations team. We're busy doing police work. And we don't have enough people to do that police work. Just like everybody in Illinois doesn't have enough people to do all the police work that they would like to do. Also, my agency has a policy against me speaking for them. And by telling everyone where I work, I would be speaking for them. When I say things out here, I am saying things as a guy who is a cop full-time in this area. And that's it. I don't speak for the agency. They don't want me speaking for them, apparently. And I don't want to speak for them. And that's it. That's why. Are you there? Jan Zam says, can you tell us, please, about canine units and dog using? I've got a couple of videos with a friend of mine who's canine officer on the town right next door. And he is much more versed in that than I am. My wife is allergic to dogs. We have dogs, but they all have to be hypoallergenic. I actually just got a full-size poodle but I can't have a Malinois in the house. Also, I've got two small kids and Malinois are kind of like shotguns with brains and I'm not sure I would trust one around my daughter who's like chew toy sized, but we don't have canines where I'm at and I've never done it, so I don't feel competent to speak on it. Sheriff Z. Keeve says, aren't push knives classified as daggers, therefore making them illegal? Under what laws? That's the question. Are daggers illegal under some federal law that I don't know about? Everybody comes in the YouTube comment section talking about their local state laws. And then when I actually look up those local state laws, I find out that that's not actually what they say. Like in Illinois, there's statutes against using a dangerous knife, dirt, dagger, billy, and several other things unlawfully against another person. We talked all about uh, laws, those videos up there. The context is important. It's not just the words dirt, dagger, billy, push knife, whatever in the statute. It's how you use it that makes it a crime. So unless you're using it unlawfully against another person, my understanding currently under Illinois laws, they're not necessarily illegal to carry. 
Now, there's lots of different laws and ordinances that could apply to the specific area that you're at, and if you have questions about them, you could consult an attorney in your area. But where I'm at, as far as I know, there's nothing illegal about carrying a push knife as long as you're not using it unlawfully against another person. Not legal advice. Brush and Teeth says, does your plate carrier loadout contain a bulletproof or shockproof helmet? If yes, please show us. I don't know if I have the helmet in here. Uh, I don't think I have an example in here. I have a ballistic helmet. I'm pretty sure it's in my gear bag for work, which is not in here right now. And since I'm doing it live, I can't, I can't like go get it. I don't have, I also don't have my riot helmet because that is also, I know where that's at. That's in the back of the squad right now. Ryan Vargas says, blackjacks in movies always work better than tasers. They also had this quite distinct problem of uh, causing people to bleed on their brain sometimes, which is why we don't use them anymore. Uh, besides exercise, how do you stay positive in law enforcement with today's society? Well, I don't recommend the drinking to excess and smoking cigarettes, but it helps to have a family life to have friends outside of law enforcement, to have hobbies outside of law enforcement. Like, I don't just go to work and then do this. I am also a scout leader, and I've got two kids, and they're in swim, and I'm part of the swim club, and I do lots of other stuff. You can't just let the job be your whole life, otherwise your whole life's going to become the job, and that's depressing no matter what your job is. Sam Gomez says, I'm currently watching this while working my 12-hour ship. It's very interesting. I'm glad you like it. Brush and Teeth says, you have experience with back pain or spine injury due to wearing a Kevlar vest every day. Has the new level 4 vest increased weight? I don't wear a level 4 vest. I've got a frass plate in the front of my body armor. The vests themselves, a few of them are actually made of Kevlar now. It's normally other Aramid fabrics or polyethylene fabrics uh, like uh, Dyneema. Uh, the vest itself isn't really that heavy. If you try to go to a level 4 ceramic, they are really heavy, especially with front and back plates. We don't generally wear those because there aren't a lot of level four threats in the area. The closest we get is maybe a level three plus. You might get M855, M193 every once in a while flying around. Most rifle rounds are being shot out there. I haven't even found M193 or M855 that often. So level three would mostly get the job done as far as plates are concerned. It's all of the other ancillary stuff. It's having to carry three mags instead of two because you know you don't you don't want to train tack loads, so you want to have an extra bag laying around, or you know your your friends have run out of rounds before in the middle of shootings. It's also having to carry medical equipment where you didn't do that. It's having to carry two flashlights. It's it's being required to carry a baton and a pistol and at least two mags and at least two pairs of handcuffs and a body camera, and a radio that's twice the size it used to be. And then now we're starting to hear people talking about pushing toward wearing helmets at work, which that is so uncomfortable. I would never, everybody's going trying to go to 12s. If you try to tell me to go to 12s and then I got to wear a helmet all 12 hours, I might just have to quit at that point. I am way too old to be joining the military, which is why I didn't, and why I wouldn't want to be in the reserve, and why I don't want to wear a helmet all day. And even they despise having to wear helmets all day. If you've ever had to wear a ballistic helmet, you know why that's a pain in the butt. But we keep adding equipment to our loadouts. We keep adding capabilities, which is great, but that's what causes the back pain. The solution for that, and I've tried every doohickey I can think of, is exercise. Apparently, they have these people 
uh, called trainers. And if you, you don't just go to your local gym and find a personal trainer, if you go to an actual gym where you do weightlifting and tell them, hey, I'm having trouble with low back pain, I just want to do some exercises, make me feel a little better, or you get to a physical therapist about your back pain, they can give you some exercises. And the one that I've done that's really helped is deadlifts. And I started off really light and got heavier, and then my lower back pain went away, even though I'm a lot fatter than when I started. So I'd give that a try. But talk to a physical therapist if you're having a problem with your back pain. Don't start popping pills because that turns out really bad. And most of the doohickeys work, but they're kind of a band-aid on the problem. You could put the band-aid on if you start having lower back pain, but long-term, you're going to need to get an exercise program that's going to strengthen your core and strengthen your back. Sheriff Z. Keeve says, my carrier is being to give out suggestions on a new one. Whichever one fits the armor that you're currently wearing, you should probably talk to the armor manufacturer and make sure whatever you're buying is compliant with what they're producing. Over. Ricardo Piero says, have you ever been in any kind of situation of conflict with a security guard backing you up? What's your thoughts about it? Security comes in such a wide range of competency. I have had security guards backing me up that were excellent at their jobs, that were doing everything we needed them to do, that were being smart and diligent and taking their notes for their, you know, their private company. And then if a fight kicked off, they just grabbed a limb and held it to the ground the way we ask brand new cops to do. And that's great. And I've had other security guards that were completely off the deep end and started giving people legal advice and everything in between. So to all the security guards out there who are good at their jobs, that are just there to make sure that the boss doesn't get sued and nobody gets hurt, good on you. To all of the tryhards that are trying to give people legal advice and make life more difficult than it has to be, and that's all I have to say about that. Are you there? K. Chur says, have you ever handled a Bonwe extendable baton? And if so, do you like them? Uh, only at trade shows, and I don't really remember anything about it. I know I have, because I hit all the baton companies at trade shows, but I don't... It, you know, nothing really stood out about them. Otherwise, I would have something to say. Sorry. Herman Ray says, My partner and I may have to search the abandoned haunted hospital tonight. Any advice on dealing with paranormal activity that we come across? I would just not go in the abandoned hospital. What is in the abandoned hospital that you're going to... What's in there to go look for? Right? Like, chase the kids out if they're in there and then lock it back up again. I don't, I don't see why you'd want to spend a whole lot of time in there. And I don't believe in ghosts, but uh, just for any, like, I wouldn't want to fall through floors of abandoned buildings. I've done whole videos on abandoned buildings before, several of them. If you can avoid going inside and falling through a floor or sticking yourself on a nail and getting tetanus and stuff like that, I would just do it. Just stay out of them if you can. Skinny says, how can I get my sergeant to stop being the comma police on my reports? Start using commas. Or give him something else to worry about. Or point out to them uh, the dumb thing the other new guy is doing, so they've got something else to do. These are all viable options. If they're really worried about your commas on your reports, the easiest thing to do is to do so much work and create so many reports that they get tired of nitpicking all of them and then start bothering you to stop doing DUIs and stop arresting people and stop doing reports for every call you go on. If you're not doing reports for every call that you go on now, and your boss is bothering you about your report writing, one way to get better at them is to do reports for every call you go on and send them to them. You get what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? Huh? Huh? Do a report for everything. And when they ask about it, you say, 
oh no, man, you you know, I've had a lot of reports rejected back, so I'm trying to get more practice. Trust me, they, they don't like the extra work, and they will make it very clear to you very quickly what they want reports on, what they don't, and what specifically it is you're doing wrong. So that way you can solve the problem, not have those issues anymore. Tranquil1337 says, I'm 16 years old, in high school, been going to the gym a lot. Uh, what are some personal habits I should develop to help me in becoming a law enforcement officer? All you have to do at this stage is uh, not get into hard narcotics, uh, not get into trouble, and graduate high school. And then you're most of the way there. There isn't anything, people think I'm going to come on here and be like, oh, you should learn how to start shooting guns or start learning about batons or, you know, you should, you should start Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu right now. You don't really need to do any of that stuff. They might help you a little bit later on down the road, but what you need to concentrate on is not getting in trouble and graduating high school, just like every other 16-year-old out there. Quinn Soren says, why do you think police agencies are struggling to hire right now? Is it just politics or the nature of the work? It's both. There's been a lot of mission creep in the last few years with law enforcement. There's a lot of political issues, not the least of which is inflation. People no longer trust when you say you're going to get a pension. So younger people are not factoring a pension into their decision on how much money they want to make in their life. When I started on the job, if you told them they were going to get a pension at the end, people would factor in that it was pretty much guaranteed you were going to get that pension. And now someone coming on the job now, that's like, oh yeah, I get a pension when I'm done. That's, that's great. You know, if that pension's still there, because we see pensions falling apart even for public employees now. So there's a lot of those things. If you factor in a pension, that's almost a 50% pay cut over the course of your life if that pension goes belly up later down the road. And young people, they're young, they're not dumb. They understand that if that's not guaranteed, then is this really worth doing? For some people it is, but for others, they're going to calculate that in and be like, all right, well, long term, I can make more money making more money and then putting it into a 401k. And I can't, I can't blame them for that. Is age still a big restriction? I don't know what age would be a big restriction in. Jared Brickmore says, any advice for guys in their late 20s that want to be the police? Go apply. They're hiring everyone. Every agency all over the country is pretty much looking for people. The feds are looking for people. The locals are looking for people. Sheriffs are looking for people. State police are looking for people like crazy here in Illinois. Go apply. You want to be a Chicago police officer? Now is your opportunity. I heard the last time they had like 50 people come and take the test and only six passed. And, and they had a thousand spots or something crazy like that. 500 spots. Come apply. Now's the time. If you're not making it now, you probably won't make it in 10 years when the spots start filling up, when it starts getting competitive again. It has never been less competitive than it is right now. We're gonna take a quick break here at Free Field Training Podcast. While you're listening to the words from the people that helped me do all this, head over to freefieldtrainingpodcast.com, click on the contact button and send me your thoughts about this episode. We'll be right back. Star Wars has always been more than just a movie. It is fandom, a movement, nostalgia, that showcases the Force through all of us. What do two cops and an OG podcaster think about 1977's Star Wars, a.k.a. Episode 4, A New Hope? Find out now over at twoguystalkingstarwars.com. That's twoguystalkingstarwars.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? 
Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. In today's world, time is everything. When editing podcasts, <laughs> you know as well as I do, time flies. But it's not the good kind of time flying. It's the kind of time that eats a hole in your pocket. Reclaim the time you lose when you edit your podcast. Connect with The Editor Core. The Editor Core is a group of seasoned, experienced podcast editors that'll get your editing done and out the door. Use your reclaimed time to make more content. Make your podcast soar with The Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Free Field Training Podcast. Nick B says, seems like search warrants have changed a lot. Used to be very fast and high speed, then it went to the norm to go really slow. Now a lot of departments are not even doing them or finding other ways, question mark. I don't know what the question is there, but for commentary on search warrants, there's a lot of civil liability and going and breaking doors down at 3 o'clock in the morning, and so a lot of places are shying away from them, and rightly so, finding other ways to take people into custody and make cases. Also, with the war on drugs being mostly won by drugs, people aren't getting warrants issued for their arrest in many major metropolitan areas. So you're having a lot fewer search warrants for drug-related offenses happening as agencies draw down their resources that they're throwing into anti-drug operations and throwing them into the violent crime situation that we have going on in, in most major metro areas. Jordan says, are you sick, Tommy? No, I'm not sick. I've just been talking for an hour at a camera, and so my voice is starting to crack. James B. says, sitting in my patrol car waiting for 6 a.m. to get here. I hear you. Uh, Ricardo Pierre asks, your thoughts on a security guard using body cameras? Feel free to use them if you can afford to have them and, and have the video. It's not going to hurt. But again, that you're going to want something that, that pre-records in case you get into something before you think to turn the camera on. Mark Woolaka AWA says, cops want people to die, it seems. No. No, you're more likely to get killed by a random gangbanger than you are a cop in the United States. So, suck on that. Terry Johnson says, thanks for this. I appreciate you taking your personal time to do this. I'm very welcome. James B says, we have tourniquets, but they're not really meant to use on anyone but ourselves or other officers. Well, that's kind of silly, especially in 2022. Police to put $5 in the donut fund. Thank you. I'll buy the donuts with that in the morning. My daughter will be very pleased. She likes the little donuts. Says, what are your thoughts on Jeremy DeWitt, Florida police impersonator, the craziest impersonator of all time? I saw some of the videos that apparently he was posting up on his Facebook and YouTube and stuff, trying purposely to look like uh, police motorcycle officers. And all he was doing was like, doing processions and he's blocking traffic and beating on windows and screaming at people and I guess he was videotaping all of it to document how crazy people drove and all he ended up documenting was how weird he was. I have heard stories that him and his guys were carrying 
BB guns and stuff because some of them were felons and could get real guns and you have to be licensed to carry firearms in Florida to do security work and he's not, they're not even security, they're just, I guess they do some sort of like motorcade procession stuff for funerals and it was just basically a company that most companies would just put lights on a car, you know, and, and drive in the front and back of a funeral so people know there's a funeral coming. And this guy had like motorcycles and all sorts of crazy stuff going on. I have seen a couple of the videos, they are entertaining, but uh, I've never met him, I don't have any personal experience with that type of thing. We don't even have private motorcade people here in Illinois. We just put lights on the top of the hearse or if it's a really big funeral, the police will just give the funeral escort. In fact, we do that all the time. Sergeant Sly says, when does dispatch not say something stupid? You know, sometimes dispatch says something because they don't know what's going on. They don't understand the implications, the legal implications of what they're saying on the radio. But oftentimes they're just regurgitating whatever the caller told them. So if the caller told them they were assaulted, they're just going to regurgitate that to me. They don't understand the difference between assault and battery under Illinois law. Most people don't. James B. says, clear, concise, and chronological, the three C's of report writing. They still are the three C's of report writing. I'm just saying concise doesn't mean more than four paragraphs is a bad thing. Uh, Marcos Kless says he's on duty now. Thank you for your videos and your channel. You're very welcome. Eric Chang says, if there is anyone who wanted to join Las Vegas Metro PD, they tossed the oral board out of the hiring process. I know a lot of people stress about those. Las Vegas Metro was pretty hard to get on a few years ago. I know guys that were cops in California who couldn't get on Vegas Metro because they had some specialized requirements. You have to come in at the ground level. They weren't taking laterals. I wonder if that's changed. A Mexican Boy says, what's your opinion on Chicago PD? Uh, removing educational requirements and lowering standards. They really don't have a choice at this point. They can't get enough people to work. You have to decide what's important to you. Is it important to you that somebody have 60 college credit hours? Because their old requirement was like, you'd have 60 college credit hours, but they could all be in gym. So is it really that important to you that they have 60 college credit hours? Or do you just want people that are seeing rational adults that, that are trainable? And I think that's what they're looking at. Derek Enderdidi said, do you know any recent instances of, or cases of an officer using a baton? Yeah, we use batons all the time. Uh, some people don't like them. Just like uh, some people do like OC spray, and I don't. Some people really don't like batons and don't use them. And the thing is, I think a lot of people don't... Like, every time we get a use of force option, it's sold to us as this great thing that's going to solve all of these problems, when in fact they solve very small portions of the problems that we have. The baton is not the be-all, end-all. I use it. It is effective. I have used it. I've used it effectively. But I don't use it for everything because it's not an everything solution. If you are going to a bar at 3 a.m. or there is a massive crowd, unruly crowd of people that are all fighting, the baton is a great thing to have because you can't taser all of them and OC spray runs out really fast. And people are pretty afraid of a little fat white guy swinging a baton at 3 o'clock in the morning for whatever reason. I guess they don't want to get hit. So it can be an effective tool, but it's not the be-all end-all. When you go to the baton classes, they teach you, oh, you're going to hit them in the leg and they're going to collapse to the ground and you're going to handcuff them. That doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. Just like if you OC spray somebody, you can't expect that person to collapse on the ground and make it easy for you to arrest them. It just doesn't generally work that way. So we have to have realistic expectations of these tools. I have personal experience of batons being used. Batons are used all the time on the street, so much so that it's not even newsworthy that they're used and used effectively, but you have to have realistic expectations of what they're going to do, just like all of our use of force options. Are you 
Uh, Brush and Teeth says you showed us the Riot helmet, but never the Kevlar helmet worth its own video. That Kevlar helmets aren't really that entertaining. I'm going to be honest with you. It's just it's a level three a Kevlar helmet with with a strap, and you put it on your head, and it makes you look fatter than you already look. Seldom Seen says, have you ever wished you took the fireman's exam instead of the police exam? Yeah. Most of the time when I walk in there and they're cooking and half of them are sitting on recliners. Guys with 16 years on in the fire department, they spend a lot of time sitting on recliners or, you know, polishing equipment or maintaining stuff, set out fighting with people. That's a good gig. Jerry Lemonade says, Olight or Streamlight? Streamlight. Hello? Brush and T says, are you allowed to carry Cobra zip cuffs instead of a second pair of handcuffs? Would you recommend it? I recommend that people do whatever makes sense for them as far as cuffs. If you're trained in using standard handcuffs and you're trained in using zip cuffs and you don't arrest a lot of people, you can probably carry a pair of zip cuffs as your second set of cuffs. If you arrest a lot of people, it gets really expensive to cut zip cuffs off of people. And also zip cuffs limit your ability to do stuff. So since I have them right here, I can show you. I actually have a set of Cobra cuffs. These are Cobra cuffs. They are single use. So you pop them open, put the person's arms through, pull this, push down these clamps, and they lock. Got a whole video on them. Put it on the final one if this makes the cut. The problem with this is each of these costs between two and four dollars a piece, depending on where you get them from, and you have to cut them off to get them off the person. So that gets really expensive if you're arresting multiple people. Also, if you use your primary set of cuffs on somebody, and let's say that person gets sent to the hospital with another officer, and now you have to go on another call, now you're using your zip cuffs to arrest somebody. And these limit your capabilities because the, they have to pretty much, you know, you have to put your their hands through them. It's, there's no clickety-clackety really fast. You have to grab through and put their hands through and zip them, and it's a little more of a production. So this is an extreme weight-saving measure, who I recommend doing that type of thing to most is people who work in security where they're not really arresting people if they want to have a second pair of cuffs, or if detectives want to carry cuffs but don't want to carry cuffs, this can be a good option. They're not arresting people very often, and especially like guys that are like evidence techs or people are going to spend a lot of time in the building. They want an emergency tool in order to restrain suspects, but they don't want to have to carry handcuffs around all day because they're heavy. Not a bad option. There's a bunch of companies that make zip cuffs. These are just easy ones to stow and carry around because of their, their kind of flat pack ability. ASP makes a similar zip cuff that's got a little loop on the top. It's about the same size, and uh, they're a little easier to find. Their big claim to fame is that they come in this handy little container that you can put on your belt that has two pairs of their zip cuffs and a cutter to be able to cut the cuffs off all in this handy dandy little container so that way you can have two sets of them on your belt at all times. Pretty useful. My recommendation if you're going to buy something like this uh, for this would be to attach it with whatever your riot gear is so that way you have it if you have your riot gear with you. Big bonus for that. I tell guys if you're going to get something like this they're like oh it's, what about those and I say well, alright well I would recommend mounting this to the strap on your gas mask. So when you put your gas mask on, you also have your zip cuffs with you, and these are a lot less likely to get caught on something than the big, uh, big pull-through zip cuffs that come like this. These are a little harder to stow, as you can see. Daryl says, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself as a new cop? Save for retirement now. Do it right now. Start saving. Hey. They promised you a pension? 
awesome. Go get your Roth IRA, get a 401k, start putting money in both of them. Take $1,000 right now, the first $1,000 you make, and go put it into an investment account of some kind. High risk stock account, find a broker, find a money manager, start putting little bits of money away every month when it's not gonna hurt you a whole lot. Don't go buying a new charger, don't buy a new car, start putting money away for retirement because it's gonna give you options when you're older. It goes double for anybody starting today. Finn59Saw says, why are you still up? Go to sleep. I'm not going to be able to go to sleep for hours. Hours. I just woke up a few hours ago. I'm on midnights. I'm going to get this done. I got videos to edit. I still got to go to the gym before I go to bed. What time is it anyway? It's only 4 a.m. J1559 said, when I first started, I had an older guy. I'm assuming he's me and a cop. Tell me if I saw a white guy and a black guy driving down the street. Nine times out of ten, they would have drugs. Yeah, I didn't learn a lot from him. I wouldn't recommend racial profiling. That's not a very good idea. Not a very good idea at all. Wolf Circer says Chicago is a third world war zone. It's not quite that bad. I haven't seen RPGs yet. When we have RPGs flying around, then I'll worry about it being a third world war zone. You can't have a third world war zone without rocket propelled grenades. So that's at least a few years down the future. Meiji Aaron says, funny you should suggest that for April Fools. My plan is to get everyone on my side of town to report everything. Neighbor put trash in your trash can? Sounds important. Definitely a report. Good luck with that. That sounds like a lot of paper. Parisian Gangster says, my local PD says that good credit is a requirement for all recruits. Is having bad credit going to be a good disqualifier or is it something that you can get, they can look past? Really bad credit can be a disqualifier. And I mean really bad credit. People think bad credit means you can't get a car loan or your car loan is going to be 28%. No credit isn't a super big problem. What they, what they want to see is that you're not so deep into ridiculous, unsecured debt that there's a high likelihood that you're going to be dirty. It's easier to turn someone if they're in a massive, massive debt. So your credit has to be really, really bad for it to be a disqualifier, but it does behoove you to make your credit as good as humanly possible before you start the process, if you've got the time to do it. I think most people would be surprised at how bad your credit has to be for you to not get a job. Same thing with a jewelry store. You get a job at a jewelry store, they run a credit check. I know because my mom used to be a manager at a jewelry store. And if your credit is really, really, really bad, they won't hire you because they, it's, it's a, a risk factor for theft for a jewelry store. It's an even bigger risk factor for a police department that you could start turning on the PD and uh, giving the local game bangers information. Potator says, I need tips for someone wanting to become a community service officer. Go apply. That's it. There aren't a lot more tips for that. Marcos Kless says, this is actually make a good video on its own. What's some advice for FTOs for keeping your voice healthy? I trained one of our new guys and it killed my voice. It, it does. You got to keep your volume down. Try not to yell at them too much. Uh, always keep uh, drinks around. I always keep uh, caffeinated and a non-caffeinated drink with me. Uh, right now it's iced tea and uh, rain dreamsicle energy drink. Uh, maybe both of those are caffeinated. Yeah, that's all right. I try to always keep cold and hot liquid around. You don't necessarily want something room temperature water, but you get yourself a water bottle, fill it with ice, keep yourself hydrated. That helps with the voice. You gotta keep your volume down, screaming and yelling, especially at the new guy isn't gonna help anything. J1559 says, just got promoted to sergeant over patrol, okay? Any leadership books or advice? 
no, I've never been a sergeant and I have no interest in being promoted. Where I'm at, it, there isn't a huge financial incentive and I've got kind of this thing that I do on the side that uh, I'm far more interested in than being in charge of a bunch of people that cause problems with the PD. Uh, so I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of advice for you as far as that route, so I'm sorry. It's just, it's not my specialty. If you want advice about being a supervisor uh, and you want videos about it, I can suggest Tear Talk with Anthony Gagani. Uh, he's a corrections admin and he started off on the ground level and then was a line supervisor and now he's an administrator with a prison. I think he's a lieutenant now or a commander. And he seems like a good dude and I've coordinated with him a little bit and he has a lot of information about administrators and, and dealing with line supervision that I just don't have experience in that. The most people I've ever supervised was like four at a time and that was a massive emergency where they just needed somebody to take these new guys and go over there and take care of that problem right now and then supervising one person in the patrol car as an FTO. If you're a sergeant on a PD now you know what I'm talking about like I'm the senior man oftentimes on my shift but I'm, I'm not the guy that makes the schedule and deals with the discipline. But Anthony does so you should go check him out. Brush and Teeth says in some countries all police dispatchers are fully trained Leos who do dispatch shifts. I find this very useful. I haven't seen that here. I know some smaller places will put people on the radio, who, especially people that are injured. If somebody gets injured, they'll just keep them on board and put them on the radio. Where I'm at, they don't do that. We have dedicated dispatchers. Gavin's Freen says, howdy, I'm just so glad to be here. Happy to have you. Anthony Cano says, my question was deleted. Question mark, what's up with Officer Midge? I didn't delete anybody's question. I've been I can barely scroll, let alone delete. Eric Chang says, just a heads up, you're streaming to the phone camera and not the external camera. I know I'm not. I've got my A camera rolling over here, and when I'm done with this, this is going to be made private, and I'm going to edit this into a cohesive video that isn't doing the shaky thing. It'll be interesting. Are you there? Steven Z says, don't just save, invest. Good advice. Working nights in Alaska. Oh my goodness. That sounds cold. Brandon says 5 a.m., which means it's time for me to go home. Go home! Go home! Russian T says, is your baldness policy compliance or an attempt to look intimidating? Your hairline does not suggest lots of hair loss. I don't have hair loss. I've actually, I've got a little bit of gray coming in, but, you know, my hairline's pretty good. I lead a very active life. I go camping a lot. I don't have time for dealing with having big, luscious locks. And actually, my hair was too thick, and it ends up looking like a helmet on my head. So I just clip her it off. Brian Porter says, what do you think the best duty weapon is? I mean, if you don't know anything about guns, just go get a Glock 19 or 17, whichever one fits your hand better. And then you move on from there. Kate Schur says, never caught your live stuff. Good stuff on here, thanks. Click the notification bell. Go ahead. Gavin Spreen says, I'm in the Coast Guard. I'm assuming CG means Coast Guard. And looking to go into LE after I get out, but I will be 30 at that point. Is being over 30 going to be a significant issue? No, not at all. Brian Porter says, Officer 401 is good for supervisor stuff. I didn't know he was a supervisor. I don't No idea. Brush from Teeth says, if you need a long gun, do you ever go over shotgun or do you always go for your AR-15? I have an AR that I carry in the car. Again, like I was talking about initially on the video, too many options can actually cause us problems you know, deciding which one of these things I want, it's better to be really good with one. And so I decided several years ago, I'm just going to be really good with an AR. 
and competent with the shotgun in case we need it for less lethal or putting down an animal or all I have is a shotgun. If I'm at the station, it might be a circumstance where the only thing that we have for a long gun is the shotgun. It would be a pretty extreme circumstance that you do a shotgun when I'm at the station, but if I can't get to my rifle, if it's still in the rack in the car and all I can get is the shotgun off the rack in the station, I need to know how to use it. But if I'm out and I need a long gun, my go-to is the rifle that I carry with me because I can be very good with the rifle a lot better than I could be with the rifle and the shotgun, trying to split that training time between the two. New York City Hospital Police in the house. How are you doing? Daryl says, what is one lesson that you learned from someone while on patrol that you will never forget? I actually learned it from one of my primary FTOs. Hi, Al. He told me to be friends with the hookers because the hookers know a lot more than almost anybody else. By friends, he didn't mean really friends, but you have to be friendly with the hookers. The hookers are asking for a cigarette. You might want to keep a pack of cigarettes in the car, be able to give the cigarette a hooker, and you'd be surprised the information that you can get from a hooker by trading a cigarette for information. It's, it's the cheapest way to get information about what's actually happening on the street. And that's very good advice that I've used many times over my career. Jay Smith says, you still have conversations with Anthony about the term corrections officer. No, I don't really. He doesn't bring it up when I'm around because I guess he doesn't like discussing with me because I, I make good points. I just think, I honestly, I don't see what's wrong with being a jail guard. I don't see what's wrong with being a security guard. People get all worked up about these terms. When I started on the job, here's another stupid thing I got told early on on the job. We're going to add this one in. You know what's another stupid thing I got told on the job early on is that cop was a bad word. Don't let people call you a cop. Why? That's what I am. I don't see what the problem is. If you're a security guard, there's nothing wrong with being a security guard unless you're bad at it. If you're a prison guard, there's nothing wrong with being a prison guard unless you're bad at it. And if you're a cop, there's nothing wrong with being a cop unless you're bad at being a cop. What you call them is intimately linked with how good the people who are working in that profession are doing their job. If all security guards were really good at their jobs, Nobody would care that someone called them a security guard. It's the fact that lots of them are really crappy at their job that it becomes a problem. So if you say, don't call me a prison guard, I'm not a prison guard, I'm a correctional officer, that's tantamount to admitting that most correctional officers are really bad at their jobs because you want to differentiate yourself from someone who's a guard. No one worries about what they're called if the people that do their job are good at it. And I'll give you my classic example. Navy SEAL is quite possibly the stupidest thing to call an elite counterterrorism, anti-espionage, crazy great military unit. SEAL, or, 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 it's the silliest name in the world. But there's no SEALs out there that are like, you should call me a counterterror officer. Because they're all really good at their jobs. They're known for being good at their jobs, so you could call them the Buffalo Butts Bew, and no one would care to be like, I'm a Buffalo Butts Bew, and people are like, oh, really, you are? The name doesn't matter. The man makes the title. The title doesn't make the man. We've got lots of ideas for podcasts, but we always need more, and we love hearing what the audience would love to hear about. Head on over to freefieldtrainingpodcast.com and tell me what questions you have, and we'll make another episode about it. Click on contact, fill out the quick web form, and let's make some more free field training.